So I was talking to somebody about that earlier today and, and uh, recounting how you guys showed up. I was at Eighth Wonder, and we left Colleen alone running the pop-up so we could go and do a podcast. Like in the corner of the yeah place. We were standing over the hood of a parked car. That's yeah, not the first time we stood over the hood of a parked car. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get Where the Ken Burns is a barbecue where tales from the pits Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits This is Brian And Andrew And this is a special Frozen Tundra edition of the show In Season 2, today we are at Dozier's Barbecue with Jim Buchanan And for some reason we also have The janitor smoking Z's all right, so the... Uh, That's Zaid Aldrazrawi. Did I say it right? You got it good, man. That's wow. awesome. I thought for sure I'd mess that up. But yeah, you yeah, probably did anyway. But. Probably. No, you did good. All right, so we're, we're here just to uh, gab and talk, and um, eventually we'll talk about the bourbon, too. Yeah, talk about a little bourbon. We'll talk about a lot of barbecue. Um, a lot of changes since the last time we had Jim on the show, and we'll go, go through a little bit of that. And, and Dozier's, if you guys are not familiar with, has, has been in the Fulshire area for how long now, Jim? Since 1957. 1957. So you're talking about a 64-year-old barbecue joint um, that's had uh, a good amount of changes over the last year uh, since Jim's come on board. And we'll get into a little bit of that. But let's start kind of kind of towards the, the beginning of Jim's career in barbecue. Uh, obviously started out at Papa Charlie's cooking with West Jarena. Um, then moved on to to open Buck's Barbecue. Well, don't forget about the the establishment he had almost built between there. Yes, well, yeah, we need to talk about that's that where one. Buck's Barbecue began, and, and hurricanes and blizzards and all the things you've been through, Jim. So let's go a little bit about the early history of Buck's Barbecue. Where do I begin? Eighteen <laughs> um, wheeler. Yeah, eighteen wheeler. Actually, it was two of them. Uh, so, I, I like as you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I started my. Uh, commercial barbecue career back in uh, 2014 with uh, Wes Jarena at Papa Charlie's. Uh, Wes called me up one day and said, uh, hey, lost my contractor job. I'm going to buy a trailer and sell barbecue for a living. What do you think? And uh, my response was, sounds great, man. I'll show up and, sh- and help you out on the weekends. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we started up... Uh, he started at the Lucky's Pub in the Heights location, uh, slang barbecue there for a little while, and then I uh, made some connections to uh, the guys that owned what was then called Jackson's Watering Hole on Richmond near Montrose, uh, and we were the house entertainment uh, for about a year and a half. We were tethered to the bar uh, and would open up um, several days a week, sling barbecue, and then when we ran out of barbecue, we'd go sit at the bar and drink beer. It was great. And, and back then, just because I know we'll, we'll touch on pits, because Jim owns one of everything now. Um, but back then, you were cooking on, you had some reverse flows as well. Yeah, so we were cooking on pit maker vaults. Uh, uh, you know, Wes and I were both competition barbecue guys, uh, and pit makers are uh, prevalent on the barbecue uh, competition barbecue circuit. Uh, they're really, really efficient cookers, um, you know, well insulated. They're small footprint, uh, really easy to haul around. Um, just great pits and, and you know they fit onto the back of the trailer that Wes bought we had a pair of them and we were just blowing and going yeah, fun fact I think one of the first times Brian and I ever hung out was at one of the it was the first uh, Fegis and Papa Charlie's 
collaboration of smoke pop-up that happened at Jackson's Watering Hole that was back in like 2014, 2015, somewhere around that time. But When Zade was like 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zade was in middle school at the time. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, it was one of the first times that we'd really gotten to see kind of the creativity that you guys brought to the barbecue scene, which there really wasn't a ton of, especially in the Houston area at the time. And you guys were doing some really creative stuff. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, and, and we, we, there's, a, there's a small group of us uh, that we uh, uh, affectionately call Team Goofy Q. Uh, and we basically all started in, uh, on the barbecue scene in Houston at the same time. Pat Fegis from Fegis Barbecue, uh, Kui, Robbie, and uh, Terry from uh, Blood Brothers. Um, than us uh, you know we were kind of like the guys that were trying to, to uh, establish a foothold in the barbecue scene where you know you had uh, corkscrew and you had uh, Gatlin uh, who were kind of the stalwarts in the the what was yeah, corkscrew emerging. when they were in a trailer and Gatlin's yeah. in the original house yeah, yeah uh, back uh, you then, know yeah. so they, they they were like the 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 beginnings of the craft barbecue scene in the Houston market uh, and and the way that we were trying to differentiate ourselves was to come up with cutting edge stuff you know a lot of the stuff that now is very very common in the Houston barbecue scene uh, taking you know traditional Texas barbecue concepts and applying it towards uh, foods from different cultures uh, and, you know Wes and I both are, are, are pretty creative uh, and we just we, you know we'd sit around and we'd talk, talk to each other and his son Jared uh, and we'd say, hey, man, what about this? And uh, next thing you know, one of us has turned around and is already making it. Um, and we kind of became known for that. Yeah, and it was, it was great, especially in Houston, which has such a wonderful, diverse food scene. So to kind of incorporate a lot of that different culture into barbecue was it's something that, like I said, it, it feels like second nature now because you see so much of it. But back in 2013, 14, 15, it was really the, the beginnings of it. You know, the, the first seeds of it were starting to spring from from what you guys were doing out there. Uh, so as Papa Charlie's moved into a brick and mortar and, and, and you, you, know, you took on, and, and, and I know a big role with that as well, and then you were kind of ready to strike out on your own after a couple of years. Yeah, uh, in 2017, um, I, I just decided it was time for me to uh, branch out on my own. I never really had any aspirations of owning my own restaurant. You know, uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, working with Wes and cooking with Wes, and, um, you know, we, uh, we, we had a solid partnership um, but I was going through some pretty significant life changes and I was just um, unsettled and, and I knew I was looking for something else, but I didn't really know what it was. Uh, so I decided to uh, leave Papa Charlie's and start my own little barbecue venture. Uh, my father had passed uh, a couple of years before that and you know, we were trying to decide what we were going to call my new, my new spinoff and uh, we named it after my dad, called it Buck's Barbecue Company. And you were you were really building towards something. You were getting ready to go. Um, you had a place located. You had everything kind of. You had you'd purchased uh, some equipment, everything, and then um, something kind of happened big in Houston at that time. Yeah, uh, uh, you know we uh, we <clears throat> struck a deal with the guys that own Lucky's Pub, uh, the Heights location, which um, you know ironically Wesley had started Papa Charlie's. Uh, that was the first place yeah, I had literally Papa the first. Yeah, it was the first place that Wes popped up as Papa Charlie's was at. Lucky's Pub in the Heights. Uh, the guys, the guys that own Lucky's, were trying to uh, figure out how to reinvent that location. Uh, you know, Heights was really blowing up. Uh, a lot of money moving into the area had become very, very gentrified, um, and they were looking to kind of seize on the whole beer garden movement that was uh, taking place. Then this was 2017. So uh, we struck a deal. I was going to have uh, 
sole control over the uh, food component at that bar. We were going to rename it as White Oak Beer Garden with Buck's Barbecue Company. I had actually already done a menu tasting or menu preview with Eric Sandler from Culture Map. Uh, and then on August 26, which was the day that we were supposed to have our soft open for friends and family, uh, Hurricane Harvey decided to pay us a visit. Hurricane and, Harvey, for anyone that was not alive in 2017. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was. <laughs> I mean, obviously one of the most catastrophic weather events that this region or even this country has ever seen and ran literally smack dab into Lucky's Pub in the Heights. Uh, we're talking two semi-trucks barreling right through where you were going to be and and floating through yes I mean, yeah because of the yeah yeah to, to know floating through I mean, because that area many was basically a, a yeah. flowing river for a few days um so of course that was the first of many wrenches that got thrown into things um but jim if, if as everyone knows jim's a hustler jim's gonna work it's kind of like the phoenix of barbecue he is yeah. he is and so J- jim Plot along, came up with a new path. And so the next step for you was? Yeah, so Harvey uh, deposited 15 feet of water into the building. It was a two-story building. The entire first floor was underwater. We actually had two semi-trucks washed into the building. Um, our walk-in cooler that was on the outside of the building floated off into uh, Buffalo Bayou. Um, you know, it was just uh, a complete devastation. Uh, but what do you do? You can, you can choose to go lay on the couch and cry to yourself. Uh, and wait for somebody to bail you out or you can um, you know take action and try to make something happen for yourself and that's what we did uh, I had friends who were acquainted with the guys that owned um, Great Heights Brewing Company in Oak Forest they had just opened their doors uh, they um, uh, were looking for a food option and asked if I'd be interested in popping up there on the weekends and slinging barbecue not something unfamiliar to me since I'd done it at Papa Charlie. So we bought a mobile trailer and started popping up at Great Heights. That led to... Um, we we uh, went out there with, uh, with Russell and Brother yeah, Tim. You and, yeah. yeah, you guys came to see me. Um, and we must kind of like this guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> we must kind of like this guy. Yeah. Uh, can't shake him. Can't shake him. Yeah, you guys, you guys came out to see me uh, and, and brought a crowd. That was great. Um, Did y'all come to see me the day that I did the pumpkin spice brisket? Weren't you all there that day? I think you were. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Sounds fair. I know there was Big Red Ice Cream there. That <laughs> yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Big Red Ice Because oh it's God. literally the only time I've ever liked Big Red anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so we, we that, that was a great opportunity, you know, uh, um, to kind of establish a brand, uh, sling some food, get people used to us. Uh, I, I happen to be uh, friends with Ryan Sirocco, one of the owners of 8th Wonder Brewing. Uh, Ryan just showed up at Great Heights one day, and we were talking, and he said, you know, you should really pop up at our spot. We get 1,500 people on Saturdays, and, you know, uh, it, it is a purely business decision. You look at uh, just the numbers of it, and you say, well, you know, I, this is an opportunity for me to generate some revenue and try to recover from the losses of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, and when we made the move to Eighth Wonder, and Eighth Wonder uh, just just south of downtown, um, east. You know, east east downtown, east downtown, east downtown, yeah, whatever, it's all the same. Southeast, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, we were popping up at Eighth Wonder uh, about the same time. I I, I uh, uh, ran into uh, an opportunity to pop up at Heights Beer Garden during Super Bowl. I think this was 2018. With the Ravens, um, right? Yeah, I, I don't remember who was playing. I was working, man. Zade? Zade? <laughs> I think it's Okay. We, we got to drag you in here, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Zade's, well, not, Zade's not really sure. We'll go with Ravens. Yeah. 
So we'll uh, eventually get to the Galveston portion. That's where Zade comes in. Yeah, that's where Zade comes in. Zade plays heavily in the Galveston portion. Yeah, so I met the guys that run the Kirby Group that own Heights Beer Garden, specifically Stephen Salazar. Uh, and he asked me if I'd be interested in popping up at some of their other spots. Uh, introduced me to Brandon Silva, who's a culinary director for Kirby Group. Uh, Brandon and I um, talked several times. I ended up popping up at Holman Draft Hall down at Midtown uh, on Friday night. So it was like I'd go to 8th Wonder and pop up there, pack up everything, and then go to Holman Draft Hall and pop up there. And then break everything down. Then the next day I was back at Eighth Wonder, and then I was back at home at draft hall in the afternoon. Well, one of the things is that, that Jim is is probably like ninety years old, but he looks about thirty. And thank you. You're you're incredibly incredibly active, well preserved. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm. I mean, one of the things very impressive. You'll you'll learn know this as we continue to go on. I mean, you know your your gumption. Look at that word. Your your gumption there is is outstanding. I mean, you really have really. It's not just a work ethic. Right. But you're you're like I said, we talked about being a Phoenix. You're just not going to give up. You're not going to let it go. Yeah. You know, my military background uh, uh, taught me that, you know, you just keep putting one one foot in front of the other until you get to the end. Um, and, and that's that's basically the way I'm wired. I just I don't really have any quit in me, um, you know, until I'm uh, uh, just faced with, you know, the the ultimate realization that there is nothing else. Um, you know, like, like, and we'll talk about it at Galveston, you know, there was just, there was nothing else. There was the end. Uh, there was no, there was no left or right or forward. It was just the end. Um, so we, we just trudged along, uh, again, you know, going back to the Lucky's pub guys, uh, they offered me an opportunity to pop up at their little, uh, uh, bar, in East downtown called Lucky's Lodge. It's kind of a hunting concept, really tied in well with barbecue. They didn't really have a food option. Uh, so we, we went in residency at Lucky's Lodge uh, and served barbecue there, lunch and dinner, uh, five days a week. And then I was still popping up at 8th Wonder, and I was still popping up at Home and Draft Hall, and it was a grind. And, and you were doing plated dishes. I mean, this wasn't yep. just your standard, you know, two meats, three sides. I mean, you were doing some really creative stuff, even when you were pulling double duty going here, there, and everywhere. And I know that's one of the things that really impressed us. Like, when we when we first saw you down at, at Lucky's and Ito's, we knew that, you know, the, the candle you were burning on both ends and the food that you were putting out was still so creative, and there was so much thought put into it. But going through with... Uh, with what was going on at Lucky's and Edo and the creative stuff you were doing, you got uh, some really good write-ups from, from Daniel Vaughn and Texas Monthly. Uh, and I know you got, you got some pretty good attention for some of the creative stuff you were doing. Uh, talk a little bit about a few of the things that kind of got highlighted when you were down at Lucky's. Yeah, so um, I, I, I was, uh, uh, again, you know, the, the, the goofy cue side of me, uh, I'm always looking for a way to infuse smoked proteins uh, into a dish from a different cultural background. Uh, when I was younger, I was an army brat and uh, we lived in Greece for, for three years. Uh, and I was very fond of Greek food. One of my favorite dishes was a souvlaki, um, you know, which is pita. It's basically pita bread with, um, uh, uh, with tzatziki sauce and some onions, uh, and then a smoked protein. Uh, I thought, Hey, let, let me do a riff on this and let's do a smoke, smoke pork butt, but chunk it. Don't shred it. Uh, make up a Greek yogurt sauce that has mint and like lemon zest in it. It's not really a tzatziki sauce. It's kind of a play on you know a, a classic Greek dish, but I'm making it my own. Uh, and you know I, I did that with a number of other dishes. We were really uh, Papa Charlie's. One of our most popular dishes was a bacon wrapped smoked meatloaf. 
Well, I did a bacon wrap smoked meatloaf of Bucks. It wasn't the same as Papa Charlie's. I made it my own, um, but you know it became one of my more popular dishes, uh, and and I still do it to this day here. Um, those kinds of things. I did a bun me uh, with pork belly. Uh, I was doing gumbo, smoked hamburgers, Frito pies with brisket chili, which I actually am doing here at Dozier's today. Um, just, you know, anything that I could come up with that was a one-off, brisket lasagnas, brisket enchiladas, um, tacos of different flavors, uh, you know, any, anything that I could think of that I could apply to a different cultural influence, um, that's, that's, that's what I was looking to do. And while, while you're there at, um, at A's Wonder, you know, you were doing pretty well, but it's not, it's not a long-term vision, right? I mean, right. obviously being at a, at essentially a pop-up there. What kind of led from that to the to the next endeavor? So we've been looking for another permanent location um, ever since uh, it became clear that we were not going to get back into the building in the Heights, uh, and you know we looked far and wide uh, at a time when the barbecue scene in Houston was absolutely blowing up. Um, I had uh, friends and uh, guys who were providing a lot of counsel to me and my investors who wanted me to stay inside. The loops somewhere, you know, the Heights, uh, Garden Oaks, Oak Forest, uh, areas with a high density of population, uh, homes with a fair amount of disposable income. But the rents, uh, the rents for commercial property had gone through the roof and it just wasn't feasible. You know, the, the barbecue business is something that doesn't have very good margins to begin with. Uh, and when you compound that by taking on uh, a really, really heavy debt load for rent, uh, it makes it almost impossible to really do well. So we looked, um, I mean, I, I literally far east side of town. Uh, I looked at Katy because I'm from Katy. Um, looked up north, looked in Tomball, looked down south towards Clear Lake. Uh, and then one day, a good friend of mine who is a commercial real estate broker, specializing in the restaurant space uh who had been helping me look for spaces called me up and said hey where are you at um i said i'm at lucky's lodge and he said great i'll be there in 30 minutes i just found your spot um he showed up told me about this deal he had just signed up uh to represent the owners of an existing restaurant down on galveston island and we started talking about it and i said you know what galveston makes sense there's not there's barbecue but there's not really the type of barbecue that I do. I mean, really, Leon's Finest was one of the, the more more popular, well-known ones, but that was about it at the time. Yeah, yeah. so Leon's, um, you know, Leon's is the only place on Galveston Island that had ever been uh, mentioned in Texas Monthly um, until we got down there. Um, and I'm not, you know, tooting my own horn, uh, but, you know, when we got down there, I knew Daniel would come visit us. Uh, and when he did, he visited several places down in Galveston. Uh, but up until then, Leon's was the only place that had actually been um, really reviewed by Texas Monthly. Uh, there were a couple of other places on the island that were very popular uh, amongst the locals, but uh, again, there was nothing like the kind of barbecue that I did. Yeah, it was a... It, I mean, Galveston is not an area that we spent a whole lot of time going down to for barbecue just because there wasn't a whole lot there for a very long time. And there were the well-established old-school places, but as far, as far as any sort of modern craft barbecue sort of scene, it, it just didn't exist down that way until until basically until you got there um, and that can always be a difficult thing is being the first in an area it, you know it's difficult to to get the locals to buy in it's difficult to educate a customer base that's used to a completely different facet of barbecue to to learn what craft barbecue really is 
why it is the way it is. Why is this fat on my meat? Why is it? Why is it so dark? Why is it? Why is this bark so black? Did you burn the brisket? I mean, there's just so many different things that that well, even even the, the the business that you went into wasn't known for barbecue at all. So you had people that maybe I mean to your point, but maybe didn't even really know what brisket was supposed to be to begin with. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Um, you know, we took over a restaurant uh, called Farley Girls Cafe. Uh, it was a very popular, uh, pretty successful restaurant. Uh, they did a lot of salads, sandwiches, uh, comfort food, Gulf Coast classics. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I realized going into that deal that um, we had to be cautious with the regulars and the people on the island. So we didn't immediately alienate them. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't, it was not my intent to go down there and say, Hey, Farley girls is no longer Farley girls. We're now all barbecue all the time. Uh, you know, we got down there and there was uh, a fair amount of, um, media attention to the move. Um, but I, I was very cautious to not make changes to the Farley girls recipes, uh, the menu for many weeks. In fact, nobody even knew that I was running the place. They thought they thought that the previous owners were still running the place, and that I had just been hired as a manager. Um, so it was about six or seven weeks into uh, the deal at Farley Girls that we started adding barbecue because the word was out. There had been a couple of articles written. People were coming in and asking, "When are you going to start doing barbecue?" Uh, and the first day that we had barbecue on the menu um, as a component. We sold out in about two hours, and I wasn't prepared for that. Well, I was going to say, and, and selling out is also something they weren't used to down in yeah, That's, a, that's yeah. a very, very true statement. Um, you know, uh, people were like, how, how can you be out of barbecue? Well, I mean, I, I cook fresh every day, and I cook what I think I'm going to need. And if more people show up than I anticipated, there's not much I can do about it. It's not a Big Mac. I can't run into the kitchen and make you another one in three minutes. <laughs> That's something I've always wanted to ask, like, one of the old school customers is, like, did you think that the previous barbecue joints here were just so damn good at estimating the amount of meat they were cooking? Or did you think you were getting a bunch of leftover barbecue every day? Because that's, I mean, that's the reality of the situation is no one can predict with 100% certainty how many customers are going to come in each day, how much food each one of those customers is going to order. You do the best you can based on previous experience and things like that, but it's never going to be a hard target that you're going to hit every single day, especially if you're trying to serve fresh hot barbecue. But it is, it's a difficult thing. It's a thing that a lot of businesses struggle with, especially in an area that's not used to it. So what were, other than, other than people not being used to the sellout model and, and, and what happens when you're cooking fresh barbecue every day, what were some of the things that you were hearing from locals, and at least early on, in terms of the barbecue you were producing? Uh, so some people embraced it, um, and then some people were just, you know, they, they, people don't like change, and, and the people that don't like change are the people that were the most vocal. Um, I mean, there were people blowing us up about, uh, you know, how, how, what we were doing just wasn't right. And, and there were people that wouldn't even come into the restaurant and give us a shot. Uh, you know, they would say this place or that place was the best on the Island. Well, how do you know that you haven't even tried my, my, my food yet. And I get it. Taste is subjective. What I like, Brian, you may not like Andrew. You may not like Zay probably is not going to like, uh, because his standards are so high. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's you, you can't really, you, can't, you shouldn't come to a conclusion until you've at least tried it. You know, and, and what we found was people were so set in their tribe 
that they just weren't really willing to, you know, be open about it. They weren't they weren't willing to you know really come give us a shot. Or if they did come and try it, they came in with a bias right. that yeah. they weren't willing to leave at the door right. and yeah. judge us solely on the merits. Yeah, well, you're you're ready to be unhappy with the food you got before you even order it. I mean, yeah. that's that's a really tough hill to climb. It kind of reminds me of. And this is a, a little bit of a different situation, but kind of a similar reaction. Um, very famous place in North Carolina, Skylight Inn, was run by the Jones family for the last 70 years or so. And Pete Jones, the, the patriarch of the family, ran the place for years and years, uh, although he had stopped doing the cooking years before he had gotten sick and passed. And when he passed on, a lot of the locals were automatically assuming that the food wouldn't be as good because Pete was no longer running the place without thinking realistically that Pete probably wasn't cooking that pig you were eating every day anyway. But getting past that customer mentality of I'm automatically not going to like this because something has changed, it's it's a very difficult thing to overcome uh, for any business, especially a young business trying to find its footing in a new area. So as you as you try to carve that path, and I know you kind of met another modern barbecue cooker along the way here who's been very quiet on the microphone, which is very unusual for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting back enjoying the show. <laughs> Me too, but I have to host it. Yeah. So. <laughs> got the job i don't <laughs> job that implies yeah. pay but anyway so, yeah so let's, 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 whiskey. Yeah, let's talk a little bit <laughs> about whiskey. how you two got together <laughs> um and, and kind of some of the work that that happened before before galveston when yeah it was so uh there. so I, I i met zade mallory at sausage wars uh which was this uh, hey, that was a pretty good uh festival uh, you know it, cool this, this, that yeah man you know I, some yahoos put this uh sausage <laughs> competition together uh in 2018 20, sure. Yeah, it was 2018. Yeah, I think it was 2018. Uh, and it was just a straight up sausage competition. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they invited um, a number of guys around town who were kind of known for doing creative sausages. And, uh, you know, these guys named uh, Smoke and Z's Barbecue were coming. And I was like, I've never heard of these guys. Who are they? You know, and, and uh, uh, we got Sausage Wars. And, you know, I'm a pretty affable guy. I like to talk to people and I like to talk in general. Um, walking around, talking to folks, and uh, Colleen and I were there with my buddy Brandon Silver from Kirby Group, um, who I mentioned previously. Brandon and I became very, very close friends, uh, and uh, we he we uh, we had worked together on this sausage. I came up with this concept, and he did this sausage. Uh, we did a butter chicken sausage, uh, and you know we're standing there handing out samples, and uh, Zayden Mallory walk up, and they're like, "Hey, we're Zayden Mallory from Smoking Z's," and you know I mean he Colleen, probably said it just like yeah, that. Too. They really did. No, they asked him. Yeah. They actually really did. Actually, Mallory did. Mallory's like, hey, where's, where's Zayd Mallory from? I'm a little surprised Zayd actually introduced himself because apparently Zayd had met us like 50 times before actually saying hello to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, so, I got a good eye. so they came by and, and introduced themselves, and you know we chatted them up for a while, and uh, you know they they tried our stuff, and we went by and tried their stuff, and holy shit, that Nacho Madre sausage was delicious. I mean, I was like blown away, and I was right next to the guy from Tejas. And their chili relleno sausage, which is like pretty much the, the standard. Yeah, and and, and I'm not going to brag too much, but the sausage at that festival was phenomenal. Oh, it was I mean, really it was, good. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what people brought their game. This wasn't a festival where people just tried to dish something out yeah. and get it over with. This was a festival where people were competing. Yeah, they were all coming great. for the golden wiener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and yeah, and, and when Zade says we all, Zade's talking about him and his group of 100 fanboys. <laughs> to the, I told to them the, not to wear the shirts. All right? I told them yeah. not to wear the shirts. So, yeah, so we met him at the uh, Sausage Wars, and, and at that point in time, you know, the, the Galveston deal had not been hatched. 
Um, you know, they, they were they were cool people, and we're like, hey, we really like to hang out with them. But you know, in the barbecue world, we all work the same days, and it's like impossible for us to go see each other um, because, again, we all work the same days. You can't decide you're just going to close up shop because you want to go hang out with somebody. It just doesn't work that way. Except for this weekend. Right, except, except for this weekend. Well, it's cold It's cold out. It's cold It's cold outside, and some people can't work in the cold. I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, but... Um, uh, it's smoking okay Z, not frigid Z, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking Zs. So, you, got, you know, it's funny. We're all wearing, like, you know, winter clothing and Zades wearing a short sleeve T-shirt. Um, but, you know... Bam. Whatever. for the weekend people uh yeah so you know and then the galveston deal uh got hatched and we were colleen and i were going to the island to go watch a service on a on, on a saturday during saturday brunch to kind of see what was going on and while we were down there you know i was like hey you know how to bet zayden mallory like popped up and and serving food let's go see him and we did we just like popped in of course yeah, i didn't tell him that we were down in galveston looking at a deal because we didn't know if the deal was going to happen or not, but you know, we, we, we got food and we sat down and chatted with them and I was, and Colleen and I left and we're like, those are our kind of people. I mean, they're really they're good just kids. like, yeah, they're, they're good. They're good people. Um, long story short, I ended up down in Galveston, uh, at, uh, Buck's barbecue company. And, uh, we would occasionally get together and have cocktails with Z and Z and Mallory. And, um, you know, I, I one day was like in way over my head, you know, with the demand for barbecue stuff had really ramped up. Uh, and I, and I, I pinged Zade and said, Hey man, are you like during the first part of the week, are you available? You'd be willing to come help me out. You know, I can throw you a little cash here or there. And, um, he said, yeah. So Zade, Zade came down and, uh, was, was working with us, uh, at Bucks on the Island. Well, and you had just gotten past some, some health department regulations, uh, rigmarole shenanigans. Let's just say um, that, um, it was a, uh, torturous process. Correct. It's one of the things that we, we've talked about before. I mean, for people that want to get into this business, you really can't overestimate the amount of time it's going to take to get past these rules and regulations and how they're, they're very individualistic. I mean, and we've talked to many people, even in, in large cities, where one person will come out and they'll say one thing and the next person will come out and say something completely different. Um, so so there was an a little bit of an opportunity at that time for, for Zade to come and help. So, so he helped out for a while, and, and how are things going then? Oh, yeah, man, we were rocking and rolling. Uh, and then uh, we got into uh, the off-season. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not a particularly bright guy, um, but, I mean, I'm smart enough to kind of get by. Uh, and, you know, this deal with Galveston looked really, really good, and I didn't even think about the fact that, hey, Galveston's a tourist island. And when there's no tourists, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to do business. And Farley Girls was pretty close to the uh, the cruise ship terminal as well, so that some of that business drove from the cruise ship terminal. Some. Well, so so Farley Girls was located right across the street from University of Texas Medical Branch, uh, and, and a huge chunk of the business during the week was from UTMB. Um, uh, UTMB had started a campus improvement project that I, I didn't really understand the 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 scope of uh when we went down there and they actually started construction on the main street that provided access for pedestrians from utmb from the center of the campus over to farley girls and it was a huge impediment i mean you know folks are like well it's too hard to get over there i only have one hour and they literally had one hour from the time they clocked out until the time they had to clock back in they had one hour uh that they had to that they had to go eat 
you know, and if it, if they have to go ten minutes out of their way to get there right. and ten minutes out of their way to get back, it really cuts into their time. Especially when you're going to a restaurant that's really busy, and you're looking at twenty minute wait times. And obviously, that's just one of the million things that can go right and wrong in a restaurant is anything from the road construction that you have no control over road expansion, which I know has been an issue in East downtown for pending doom for years, you know, 45 expansion, things like that. So, I mean, all these things that small businesses have no control over, but have huge impacts on, on, you know, on the bottom line of an already thin margin. But perseverance is like, I think a common theme in a lot of the stories that we hear. I know it's a, it's a big story for, for Zayden Mallory. And it's been a big story for you um, just through your journey through barbecue. So ultimately, in Galveston, things th- things got rough towards the end, and I and I know that you you'd kind of gotten to a point where you weren't sure the barbecue was going to be part of your future. Yeah, we uh, um, you know the, we, we we suffered through the winter months. Uh, we were pretty heavily in debt, uh, and uh, you know I, I was I was fighting like hell um, to uh, we're going to fight like hell to keep this place float afloat. And um, you know it, it got to the point where Colleen sat me down one day and said, you know what? It's time. We just need to, we just need to face it and just walk away while we still can. No, and it was very painful for me because, uh, you know, Bucks was a very personal adventure. Uh, you know, I named it after my dad, and I was, uh, I, I mean, I was doing it because I love to cook and I love feeding people. I'm not doing it to get rich. You're not going to get rich. Well, it, was, doing it was your first brick and mortar. It was my first brick and mortar, you know, and it was named yeah. after my dad. You know, mm-hmm. and I and, and and I wanted to do everything I could to honor his legacy. So it was very painful for me, but it was the right decision. Um, and, and January, uh, 13th of last, uh, 2020, yeah, 2020, uh, we pulled the plug and said, you know what? Enough is enough. And ultimately, I mean, obviously you have, none of us had any idea what was coming over the next couple of months in the world, but you know, you can always look at best laid plans. If you had tried to persevere, imagine what you could have gone through with COVID down there as well. So uh, things happen for a reason. You thought you might have been out of the barbecue game, but you know it, it's interesting too because you know you you went through this with obviously with the original location that you were thinking about in the Heights. Now you're in there. COVID's around us now. I mean, you know, let, let's just be very frank with our audience. I mean, there's a lot of depression that can hit in at that point, mm-hmm. right? And what was impressive with what you did is that you you seeked out, you found a you found a place, you found a location, you found something that you could interject yourself into and, and be part of. I think I'm they sure. more sought him out. <laughs> well, <laughs> but they, they had to hunt him down. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, uh, you know, to your point, depression, uh, depression is a very real thing in, in uh, a lot of uh, industries, uh, particularly so in the, in the food and beverage industry. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I struggled with, keeping my head up uh but i was surrounded by people um who were intent on keeping me moving forward my wife um among others uh and um we just trudged along you know i wasn't sure what i was going to do i was reeling uh wasn't sure i wanted to stay in the industry um, you know, I, I, I had, I had a corporate background. I thought perhaps I'd just go back to corporate America and just suck it up and take a salary, uh, and move on with my life. Uh, and then my phone started ringing and, uh, it was the guys that own Dozier's barbecue here in Fulcher, Texas. Um, and very candidly, I did not 
call them back, um, not as a sign of disrespect, just because I was reeling and probably a little depressed um, and not sure that I wanted to continue uh, working in the barbecue scene. Uh, you know, after a few weeks, I finally, I finally answered the phone. I had a very, uh, very positive and healthy conversation, almost an hour long conversation with, uh, one of the owners. Uh, and it's, just, you know, when you talk to somebody and you can just tell you, you, you see things the same way. I mean, like I, I'd never met this guy before. I'd never had a conversation with him before, but I could literally almost finish his sentences. Um, it was just serendipity. Um, you know, and that's cliche, but that's really what it was. Uh, I, I'm from Katy. You know, I went to Katy High School. I was familiar with Dozier's. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it was a conversation I was kind of excited about. Uh, they asked me to come out and meet with them, and I came out and saw what was going on, the, the, the scope of the operation here. And, you know, I walked away, and I was like, you know what? This is something I'm actually pretty excited about, and I could really get behind it. And one of the things with Dozier's is it has such a history and such a solid foundation in this community, but you know, for many, many years that you weren't being asked to come in here and reinvent the place. You're being asked to come in here and add your influence, add your knowledge and your skills in barbecue and kind of bring an operation that's already well established into the modern times a little bit. And so talk a little bit about kind of how that process went for you. And I know you had a lot of freedom to, to really change things, you know, not, not reinvent things, but just expand and evolve things for, for Dozier's. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, uh, when I, when I accepted the position here, um, well, actually before that, uh, when, when I met with both of the owners, Jim Cummins and Steve Bauer, uh, here at the store, uh, you know, we talked about their vision. Uh, they asked me what I would see, uh, or how I saw things, uh, what I could see as the future of Dozier's. Uh, you know, and one of the biggest things for me is, I mean, we're sitting inside of this store right now. This location has been in business in this spot since 1969. You could literally feel the tradition. I mean, I mean, it, it's interesting. Right behind us, there, there's a group of hunters. I mean, they're wearing hunter orange, right? I mean, <laughs> they're... You know, yeah. they're, 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 this is there's a lot of people that have been coming here for a long, oh, long yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you you can literally feel the tradition here. And, and as we sat here and discussed uh, my uh, kind of vision for you know how to bring do- Dozers into the new era uh, of Texas barbecue, you know, the biggest thing for me was, hey, look, I mean, we've got something here that uh, has a following and it has a place in history. Let's not forget that and let's not run away from it let's embrace it and try to build on it um and you know the when you guys came to see me back in march of last year right after i started here uh we had a conversation pretty similar to this and and brian uh you threw this this uh phrase out evolution not revolution and and i was like absolutely and i mean we've embraced that that's what we're doing we're trying to evolve dozers into the modern era without forsaking everything that Dozier's uh, means from a historical standpoint. Um, and we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to make the wheel roll a little more smoothly. I mean, you're, you're still a full on meat market. You still do wild games, uh, you know, wild game processing. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is still key to the business itself. 
Yeah. Yeah. So as part of, uh, you know, the strategy of evolving Dozier's, um, you know, we're, we're a grocery store, we're a meat market, we're a wild game processing plan, and we're a barbecue restaurant. Um, and, you know, trying to build all of those things together and make it uh, or position it so that it appeals to the, the, the residents in Fulcher. I've got a big HEB five miles down the road. I have a Walmart Supercenter five miles down the road. There's a Kroger six miles down the road. There's another HEB that's about six miles away, and they're building another one three miles away. We can't be a convenience grocery store because if we choose that path, we're not going to survive. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, build more of a specialty grocery section. And, and I want to say it's not specialty in artisan pickles and... and Although there are artisan pickles. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, but it's, it's, it's not that hoity-toity hipster. What I really like about this is it still pulls in that genuine originality of what Dozier's is. Right. Um, so, you know, I, there, there's bright and early coffee. I don't know if you know about bright and early coffee, but, I mean, it, it's not super hipster stuff. Um, and I and I love that I'm buying some today. Um, so we're trying to focus on locally made products, and I don't mean necessarily Fulcher because Fulcher is a really small community. There's not a whole lot that you can buy here in Fulcher. Although we do get our honey from a guy in Richmond, Texas, just a few miles away. For example, we use 44 Farms beef in our meat market. It's the only beef that I buy. It's from 44 Farms in Cameron, Texas. It's all Texas raised. It's all Texas bread it's texas slaughtered and texas processed it's a high quality angus beef uh it costs a little bit more than the beef that you can buy at heb but it's a higher quality and again there's that convenience factor um we've brought in products like yellowbird sauces out of austin texas we've brought in fogo charcoal uh we've brought in um bernie brand i, hot sauce say, I saw bernie from, brand yeah from here in yeah, houston yeah. we brought in Texas Pickle Company from down in Sugarland. Shout buddy. out to Tom. Hi, Tom. Yeah. Let's go, Tom. <laughs> You're welcome, Tom. So these are just examples of what we're trying to do with the grocery section. Uh, we, we just built, uh, we just completed a pretty large patio project here at Dozier's. Uh, 2,200 square feet of patio space. Uh, that combined with our outdoor picnic area. Pro-level patio. PLP. Pro-level. Pro-level. Oh, that's what PLP stands for. It's PLP. Yeah, pro-level pro patio. patio. Uh, uh, those two spaces combined will seat about 150 people. Um, and it, it's, it's really a cool concept. And, and looking at this new patio and, and you're talking about live music as, as we get towards the, the summer, as vaccines get more, more um, popular out there, which, and, and you know, we think that there's going to be really this uptick, which is great. I mean, we really want to get but back to that. People are ready way. to get out of their Yeah, houses, we want to get yeah, back to that world. to safely do so. Right. Yes. And so, so patios are perfect. Texas is perfect for patios and music. I mean, this is this is really a good thing that you're bringing to again, a legacy establishment. You're not trying to. You're not going to have you know some. You're not going to have 21 pilots out there. Um, you're going to have bands that are. Oh, I got Dan are, and Kev, man. You know, more more respective. You know, more respective to the legacy here. So go, so going on about the Dodgers menu that obviously has its staples, but you did bring in some some of your touches and you know, from your experience. So talk a little bit about some of the menu items that you can see on the Dodgers menu that have been kind of influenced by your experiences. I mean, you know, we haven't really changed much. I mean, it's still mostly the same sides. It's still mostly the same proteins. Um, you know, we're still using pecan wood. I'm still using Ed Dozier's rubs, still using Ed Dozier's barbecue sauce, but we've tweaked things here or there. Uh, the cook process is a little bit different. 
briskets nowadays are trimmed pretty aggressively before they go on the pit. That didn't used to be the case. Uh, the reason that we do that is because I want all my briskets to finish at the same time. So they all need to be roughly the same size and shape. And I don't want to cut a bunch of fat and the seasoning off of the brisket on the cutting block. I and, would prefer and, and it's an important thing, too, to note. I apologize for jumping in too fast, but... You know, you, you have the ability to use those trimmings into your sausage, which is important because we like people that make sausage. But but that helps you create that aggressive trim and not have to turn that into waste. Yeah, it's not waste. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not uh, uh, zero waste. We're pretty close to it. Um, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, anything that we bring into the store or that we've purchased from a supplier, we need to find a way to utilize it if we can. Um, you know, so th those are the things that we really focused on. When I started here, uh, and this is not a knock on the previous owners or uh, the way that they did business before, it's just a recognition of the fact. Um, the sides were institutional. They came off of the truck. I mean, they were literally already prepared. They came off the truck, they put them in the pans, and they served them to customers. I walked in and, I, and I'm from the background where we make our own sides because that's the level of care and pride that we put into our product. I don't do this because I'm trying to get rich. I do it because I'm creative and I love to cook and I have a lot of pride in what I do. Uh, so everything that we do, is, there is a high level of emphasis on making sure that it's consistent day to day and that we're using fresh ingredients and that everything is made in the house, made in house. A couple of very, very minor exceptions. But for the most part, everything is now made in-house. Um, and, you know, on the protein side, yes, I have changed the cook process itself, but I'm not running away from what Ed did. I'm not running away from what Scott and Smedley Evans did. I'm just trying to improve on it and bring it up to modern standards because the modern barbecue consumer has a different standard than what the barbecue consumer of 25 years ago had. Well, like you said, the, the, the sides being prepackaged or pre-bought, you know, pre it's that's part of the meat market institution that's been around for a long time and one of the big things about the craft barbecue movement is paying more attention to the sides and 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 putting a little more thought into that so again it goes back to the evolution not revolution aspect that you talk about you didn't suddenly start throwing on some crazy side that no one's ever heard of you just started making the potato salad or you just started making the coleslaw or you know you just put a little more thought into those things and that's that is what modern barbecue really is. I know there's a lot of different crazy things that go into some of the, you know, some of the different joints now. But at the end of the day, it's about getting quality proteins, which I know, you know, obviously you talked about 44 Farms, the other, the other products that you source, quality proteins, quality sides, quality ingredients, and using them the right way and preparing them the right way. And that's kind of, that's kind of been a signature of, of what you've done for, for years before you got to Dozier's and expansion on it now. Who knows, maybe you'll throw a BLT on the menu next week garlic aioli who knows you know i mean the, the sky's the limit but uh but but you, you you know what your you know you know where your bread and butter is in this community and you know uh what the locals will and won't buy hey so i'm a big fan of homage um <laughs> a lot of the dishes a lot of the dishes that i've thrown out there are literally an homage to something that i was very very fond of um you know from from my from my previous life um uh some of my really really good friends have a blt uh that's kind of one of their signature dishes and you can bet your ass there will be a blt up here at dojers at one point can you call and it a blz it, just to really and when it, <laughs> there we go and, it's perfect and, and when it happens i will properly attribute the source <laughs> of the inspiration because that's how i roll and, and, and there, there might be brunch at Dozier's in the future. Um, 
Not your Madre's brunch. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There, 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 will, there will there will never be a Nacho Madre's uh, chorizo sausage on the menu because I don't have the sausage making skills that. Uh, you just don't want to crack five hundred eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about what's real. Yeah, well, that that's definitely part of it. Um, yeah, you know, I you know, look, this is I I I'm not a fan. There there are, there are phrases and words and the barbecue. Uh, lexicon that I don't really endorse or embrace. Uh, embrace. That's probably the right word. One of those is craft barbecue. I, I, I'll embrace you later. Um, <laughs> speaking to Brian, um, craft barbecue. I don't, you know, it's not craft barbecue. It's just barbecue, but it's modern barbecue. It's the way that pretty much everybody that cooks barbecue in the modern era cooks barbecue. You know, people say there, there are people here that are, are very accusatory about the changes that I've made at Dozier. They're like, oh, you've ruined what Ed Dozier used to do. Hey, look, here's the reality of it. The reality of it is everything changes. Times change. Expectations, expectations change. And you can either, as a business operator, adapt with those, with those expectations or cease to exist. For us who have been... Watching your barbecue journey for so many years, it's great to see you at the spot to where you're able to cook the barbecue that you want to cook. You're able to do these things, and and you've you've brought a place that that deserved more more attention than it was currently getting. And because of some of the processes you put in place, you've been able to help it receive that well-deserved respect and attention that that it should have because it does have a very storied place in barbecue history. I know Allison Cook has come here recently, and she had some very positive things to say. Daniel did as well. So many people in the barbecue world have come here, and really, even Zade, even Zade has come I've here. I've got all the great things to say. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's great to see the you know what you've done with the place and what what your team has been able to accomplish in over the last almost a year. We're excited to see what you're going to be doing over the next year too. Thank you, I appreciate that. And that one of the things that you just said. Uh, in your closing remarks there was was really important. It was something I was going to mention. It's not just me. I mean, there's I have a team here. Uh, and many, many, many of these people have been here decades longer than I have. I have one guy uh, working here, Sam Palomar, a senior, who's literally been working here since 1965. That guy knows more about dozers than I will ever learn in my entire life. His son, Sammy Palomares Jr., has been working here for 18 years. His granddaughter's... Uh, one of whom just walked past us, Destiny Rodriguez and Samantha Palomares both work here. His daughter, um, Marianne Palomares, uh, also works here. Um, you know, there's a lot of legacy and tradition here. Jesse Hernandez, one of the original pitmasters here, two of his granddaughters work here. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's there's a lot of legacy and tradition. It's not just Jim. Jim came in and said, okay, these are the things that we need to do. We're going to take baby steps and make incremental, small incremental changes so that we don't alienate our long-term customer base, but we also need to be able to reach out and to appeal to a new customer base because Fulcher is changing. It's the fastest growing city in the U.S. And my staff bought into it. They've supported me. I have a fantastic ownership team who has been behind me every step of the way, and it's just worked out. It's a, been, it's been a blessing. There you have it, folks. Thanks so much to Jim Buchanan of Dozier's Barbecue for the time recording this episode. Please be sure to follow Dozier's Barbecue on Instagram. That's D-O-Z-I-E-R-S-B-B-Q. And follow Jim as well on Instagram, jbuch013. That's J-B-U-C-H-013. Thanks again, and we will talk with you next time.